This is the Hard Parking Podcast brought to you by Wright Honda. I am your host, Jay Finning. Speaking of Wright Honda in Scottsdale, Arizona, come in for their season-ending Happy Honda Day sales event. So one of the vehicles I might start flirting with is a 2020 Honda Accord LX CVT. I mean, just $290 a month plus tax, 35-month lease, zero do it signing. Don't like Hondas? First off, shame on you. Secondly, head over to Wright Toyota, literally right there next to Wright Honda. Coming up on today's show, John Sabal. In this interview, you get to learn who John is. So a lot of people know him for his car design, but a lot of people don't know who he is. So we talk about what makes him tick, what are some of his motivations in life, what are some of the things that he experienced growing up. And we also talk about, so here's the thing. John has two lives, and a lot of people only know him for cars. And he has a whole other thing going on that is fantastic. Another thing that we discovered is we both have small dogs. One thing that comes with small dogs is anxiety. So here's the deal. I want to also tell you guys about CBD strips made specifically for your pets. Fast dissolving tongue strips. They come in chicken, bacon, and fish. In fact, I have them for Izzy, my dog. Why are they good? There's a direct connection between the tongue and the brain. They don't waste any time going to the stomach where it gets broken down and takes forever through their bloodstream to get to their head. Tongue treats, CBD strips, Check them out. You can pick them up at boosterbath.com. Before we get to John, first off to the new people, welcome to the show. One thing about this show is I have very loyal listeners, and I appreciate every single one of you. This show is growing, and the more you talk about the show, the more people get in front of it. Make sure you go to Apple, anywhere you can leave a review, and please leave a review on the show. It means a lot more than you think. I want to send a special thanks to Catherine Cox and Jordan Young. They've been giving the show 99 cents a month through Anchor. That's like three cents a day. Now, I probably just reminded Jordan that he's been supporting the show, so he may cancel. Catherine Cox, not only is she on Anchor support, but she's also on the Patreon. Not to call you out, Catherine, but you are a loyal supporter, and I appreciate you a lot for believing in the show. I appreciate everyone for listening to the show. This is not to shame you. Head over to Patreon.com if you like what you hear today after you've subscribed and become a Patreon. Patreon people get access to all sorts of special content, behind the scenes, you get some input for the show, and you get a gift. I'm going to come out of pocket and hook Jordan and Catherine up. If I could find Jordan, Jordan, can you send me an email, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com? I'm going to get you guys something for supporting this show, and I'm going to spend more money on you than you have on this show because it's not really about money at the end of the day. If you're new to the show, you're going to want to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future show. I don't want to take up much more of your time. This interview is one of the best. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. Listen all the way to the end. We also do some Q&A so he gets to answer your guys' questions that you submitted to the show. Coming up, John Sabal. Time for our social media highlight of the week, sponsored by Kuya Automotive, currently specializing in new and used NSX parts. NSX owners, hurry up and head over to Kuya Auto, that's one word, dot com, and inquire about group by special pricing on Instagram at Kuya underscore automotive. That's Kuya Auto, where Big Brother's looking out for you. John Siebel, welcome to the show, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Hopefully, I said it right. And I said that because it's all squished together usually. Right. Sounds about right. John Siebel, John Siebel. <laughs> Yep. Is it John C. Ball and everyone's been wrong the whole time? No, no. However you want to say it, it's fine with me. So a lot of people know you as far as my my listener base 
if they do a quick search on you, if they even have to do a quick search on you, they're going to see one of two things. But most people know you for cars as far as the industry that, that I met you in. So how did you get started with that? And this is kind of a loaded question, but at what point did you decide cars was going to be your thing to the level where you're at now? You may have never even realized that, but you know, take me back to that point where you're sitting in, I would assume maybe class and you're sketching. Like what's what's seventh grade John doing? Uh, seventh grade John was just trying to learn and not to get in trouble because he's doodling in his notebooks and uh Things like Voltus Five, old Japanese anime in the Philippines, and um, really, just all my life has always been influenced by art and you know trying to draw and and it was just really fun. Never really had a solid plan of like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do with my life, and this is I'm gonna use my art as a career. No, none of that really happened. I'm just like, I'll you know, make it up as I, I go along <laughs> and, and, and see where it leads me, you know. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, it just, you know, sequence of events kind of led me to what I'm doing now, but it was never like my you know, long-time goal as a kid of like, oh, I'm going to draw cars or design stuff for cars. It was just more of like, I just wanted to make sure that whatever I do, I have some kind of way to express my artistic skills and abilities and, and, and apply that to, to everything. So you take a standard kid, right. And you put them in elementary school and everybody's kindergarten drawing looks the same. It looks like shit. And then, mm. you know, as you start getting a little older and you start getting to middle school, sixth, seventh grade, I think that's when the kids raw talent just kind of starts to separate itself from everyone else around so I kind of had the similar path as well where I was a young artist and everyone thought I was going to grow on to be big things. But eventually you get around other artists and that's where you kind of find out where you're at. And my parents right. sent me to a magnet school mm. to where I was in art class. And I remember I sat with some amazing pencil artists, paper sculpture artists. I was like, you know what? I'm okay. But three people mm. out of the four on this table are really fucking good. <laughs> you know, know, at what feeling. point did you think that started happening for you? Uh, basically all my life. I mean, I'm never like the best artist anywhere. I am always, you know, in a way like looking up to somebody else's work and I'm like, dang, I want to be like that. Or dang, I want to get to that level. Whether as a kid just drawing, you know, cartoons or animes and stuff. And I would see somebody else do it like effortlessly. And I'm like, man, I suck. <laughs> but at the same time, I use that bar to like up my own bar to in, in a way that I can kind of somewhat keep up. But I'm, you know, I, I, I actually prefer to have like, you know, guys that are just like solidly talented that can just whip out a good design or a good artwork and and here I am just like just mind blown I'm like how they do that <laughs> you know it's all perspective uh, though right it's all it, relative yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. right it's all relative it, it, it's it's how you let it affect you you either become better from it or you you let it defeat you and and you 
just give up. So I don't want to go the other way, the latter one. I want to go with the former one where, I mean, the you know, where it just hones your skills on a daily basis because you have this set goal to just improve and improve and constantly learn and, and adjust to um, different conditions and stuff. So what I'm hearing is don't be like me and drop out of art school. No, you know, it, there's no right or wrong uh, path to that, <laughs> right? It's right. all about like how, you know, you dictate where you want to go. Like let's, let's speed ahead now. So you, you have this career mm-hmm. and your name has been associated with car design in an aftermarket. And I imagine you might be getting brought up to do some factory work. Like, are you just pure artistic, expressional aftermarket, almost more of the seamer, or do you actually get contacted by manufacturing houses to help with a few things? Uh, hmm, how would I answer that without, um, violating my NDA? <laughs> All right, there you um, go. All right. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I sometimes. I <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still heavily in the aftermarket industry, although there are some OE level type of projects that we're working on, but um, it's pretty much aftermarket to where we design body kits and concept, you know, builds and stuff. But um, it's always fun whenever an OE hits you up and they want to work with you and, uh, you know, come up with some ideas, you know, with them. That's awesome. Probably like maybe you could imagine that at some point in the past, but for it to become a reality, it's got to be surreal at times. Like, have you made it? Do you think you've, you know, I know that's kind of a loaded question, but yeah, it's okay to be a little egotistical too, but no, have you made it? I, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's, um, to me, it's, it's hard to say if I made it or not, because there's everybody d- defines that differently. Like, how do you find like you making it? Is it like you making a certain amount of money? You being like one of the guys that people just go to? You know, it's it's so many different ways to, to define that. But for me, like, I don't really pay attention too much whether I make it or not, because I feel like if I immerse myself in knowing, oh, I made it, then I think that it's more of a distraction to not work my butt off to improve and to learn and you know because i feel like ah you're running this this marathon thing and you finish the line and then what you just stop running or you slow down you know i can't i can't do that so i'm too passionate i think and too interested in this in this thing to really even pay attention to if there was a finish line if i ever made it or not it's just to me it's just fun you know so i just keep on going yeah you don't want to fall into a sense of complacency which i think is really easy for people to do it can, it can. Um, you know, th- there are times where there's, you know, too many distractions to where it'll either discourage you or even just you're just tired and you're just burnt out and there's no creativity flowing. So a lot of those factors can definitely slow you down, but you just take breaks here and there and hopefully you get your speed back up and keep on going. Where do you think that comes from? Like, we all have this hard coding but is there, was there an event? Was there something that happened? Was there a guy who pulled up in a badass car at some point in your past and kind of looked at you and said, hey, kid, this could be you one day? Or like, where, where do you think that pulls from outside of being natural with it? Ooh, good question. Um, 
can't really think of a specific point of time where it's like, I got to work my butt off. I think it's more of just life. You know what I mean? Like growing up, we never grew up rich and my parents, they're all poor and I'm like first generation here. And I'm like, man, I wish I can just be comfortable and just do my thing and not worry about paying my bills. But it's never like that. It was always like, you got to, you know, do, you know, do your work and, and, and pay, you know, all your bills uh, and, and, and just keep on going. And it was never like, oh, I want to have a nice car. Oh, I want to have a nice house. It was never, it was never, that was never the motivation. I think it was just like, it was just nice to have such a fun hobby and interest that turned into a career. And at the same time, ooh, I get paid doing it, right? So, um, yeah, I think the mo- mo- main motivation is just really life. <laughs> I'm not sure if that makes sense. Any it sense. makes it makes a ton of sense because I think you know you're saying you know you grew up poor, and mm-hmm. sometimes people around you are poor, and you see that, and it does something to you, even if you can't really explain it. Yeah, in the back of your head, even as a child, even if you can't remember, you're like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to. I don't want to have to struggle and I'm going to do yep. whatever it takes. And I think a lot of people get to that point, but just having the intestinal fortitude and find something that you enjoy that, that eventually, because you weren't always on top of the world. I'm just going to call it. I mean, you, you're made, you're a made man, but no one would really know that, you know, like <laughs> no one would know that about you. What do you think people, what, what would people say about John Siebel? Huh? I don't know. I mean, I would like to find out too. <laughs> I'm not sure what they see me. I don't, I'm not the most interactive type of person online. I try my best, but um, I think I'm pretty much low key and only, you know, I try to be like somewhat of an extrovert online, my personality, but I'm really half and half. I'm, I could be extrovert if needed to be in a group of friends, but I could also be pretty introverted um, and get tired of <laughs> crowds and stuff. So I, I, I wouldn't know what people see or hear about me or what they want to say about my work or whatever. But um, yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> there you go. I mean, let me help you out on that. Okay. I'm going to help you out on this one. You are an incredibly humble, understated individual. Like the first time I saw you, remember what I told you the first time I saw you? Or the, when, I, when I look back to the first time I saw you, the first time I saw you, I didn't know you. Uh-huh. I was talking to RJ, and we were in Monterey, and you were walking oh, with yeah. him, and you were standing kind of all 15 or 20 feet waiting for him to finish his conversation with me. And then you was guys that at just, the quail? That was at the quail. Okay. And you guys just kind of walked off. And then mm. the next time I saw you, which was Autocon Long Beach, right? because I still wasn't quite sure, and you mm. did the cool thing that any creator creators listen to me you're never you can never be too big for yourself because mm. you never know what kind of inspiration is out there you mm. took the time to meet up with me and sign my little john siebel car that's in the display uh, case right 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 and you were <laughs> yeah you were so gracious to me told me how much you liked the interior design of the car with the 3d printed like for me uh, it, was, it was pretty creative though what you did it was, I was genuinely impressed. <laughs> hey man, dude, I'm, hey, I still have that photo on my freaking phone right now. And I'm, you know, I, will, 
I'll post that shit. I'm like, look, <laughs> look, approved. Because we all, if we're into our craft, you know, at some point we look, because we know what we're good at, but sometimes you need someone to help you with it. Someone to tell you if, if it's good, someone to just kind of help motivate you and, and, in, and inspire you. It's a sense of validation that your hard work has paid off. And I think for you, yeah, you're, you're, you're quiet and you're humble, but you're busy, dude. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, you guys just busted out this 190E project. Mm-hmm. And like, I have a feeling you have a stack of work in front of you, regardless of what year it is and what's going on in social media. And that is validation. You're the guy behind the curtain that mm-hmm. everybody who needs to know knows of. And I think there's something to be said about that. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I, you know, I think everybody needs to kind of hear that once in a while. And um, it, it is gratifying when you see fruits of your labor, you know, coming to, you know, fruition and coming to life and it's in front of you and then hearing people actually digging it. And I'm like, oh, really? That's cool. But at the same time, I, you know, it wasn't, um, the goal is always to do the best work as right. much as possible, just so that you can have all this cool clients coming back for more. You know, if you give them a good experience and you give them more than what you promised, I think it's always like a solid, you know, go, you know, formula to, to, to do, to work with. And, um, you know, so, so the next time there's another project that comes up, it's easier for your name to be included in it rather than you being kind of a hard artist to work with. And then becomes almost like, should we bring him in or not? <laughs> you know, and making sure he delivered the files on time. Yes. That's tough. That's tough, you know. But um, you got to do what you got to do. You got to sacrifice and, you know, it's work, man. You know, there's nothing really mysterious about it, I guess. So what you just said was is extremely important to young creators everywhere. What kind of dog do you have? I have a toy poodle rescued. So I have a Yorkie poo, so he's half poodle as well. Ah. <laughs> and he just forced his way into my room and I just kicked him out. <laughs> Gotta love our dogs, man. Because he does this thing where if you don't let him in the room, he beats on the door. Oh, and he crap. comes in. It's weird. And he comes in, he looks around and he fucking leaves. <laughs> and then you got to get up and you got you to gotta shut the door. There are kids, bro. They are. Can't I mean, facts. Like people don't, who don't have pets will never understand that bond. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, that's cool, man. I, I guess what? I'm leaving that bark. I'm leaving this whole dog conversation <laughs> of the podcast, man. You're stuck with it. It's all good. Yeah, you're stuck with that. So how long have you been doing SEMA projects? I think, well, I've been going to SEMA since like 1995, 96, something like that. That's a long but, time. Yeah, it's been a while. And the... But I'd never really been involved in any builds until probably later in 2000, like more like I would like help out here and there, but to where my name is actually part of the roll call or part of the credits in a press release, I think probably 2012, maybe even, no, I don't know, actually, maybe even before that. I remember working with John Pangolinen when he built a Scion. TC or something, I forgot, but um, for Tuner Challenge. 
and Stan Atoyo hit me up. Hey, he goes, my buddy John is building this, you know, thing, and you wanna? He's wondering if you wanna be involved in it. I'm like, okay, you know, and then these are my, my boys, so I try to you know help them out as much as I can. And um, I think you know at the time I was just playing Photoshop, you know, 2D, grab right. a picture, and then start Microsoft you Paint. Know, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> right? Whatever, whatever you can grab your hands onto to to uh, get the project done. You know, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Really, it's just you know, this is what they want, and they want to have some kind of photo or an image to send to different build partners so that they can show them this is what we're building. So I'm like, all right, you know, let me know what color, let me know what wheels, and I'll put something together for you guys, and then. You know, and actually, I think he won first place with that. And I was pretty stoked. I'm like, dang, dude, that was fun, you know. And I just kept on, you know, going on after that. And then, yeah, but I never really, like, got so involved until, like, I myself entered that Cyan Tuner Challenge and I won. And then I got even more work after that. So it just kept on, like, it's like a snowball, really. So was that the one, like your challenge or your collab the first mm-hmm. time around, you think that's the one that kind of set in place the John Siebel that most of us mm-hmm. know of today? It's definitely a factor. I, I, I cannot, um, you know, disregard the other, you know, things that, that happened uh, before and after that. Um, but definitely, you know, me collaborating with John P def- definitely, you know, helped a lot because... You know, um, without that, I don't think I'll get other projects coming in. And at the same time, while other projects are coming in, some other people are also hitting me up for designs and stuff. Because at the time, I think a lot of people were going with just hand-drawn illustrations. And here I am just doing Photoshop stuff, like making stuff up. I'm not really, I don't even know how to use Photoshop in the full capacity. So, uh, but I know just enough to that, to where I can lower the car, <laughs> change the right, color, right. you know, uh, pick, cut and paste the wheels. Now. No, 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 there's apps. Oh my gosh. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, I think a combination of a lot of things. And I think part of it also is location, right? Like here in SoCal, crap, dude, it's like the Mecca of, aftermarket car stuff and it's just a lot of the legends like steph papadakis who oh yeah Stephen papadakis yeah he you know hails in here um man i look up to those guys and when i was in the import show scene back in the mid 90s uh you're the dragon of sex right um i wasn't having any of that stuff. No, I mean, um, I mean, Stephen Papadakis. Oh, I don't know what, I think. I think he had um, a drag racing NSX, like in the, nope, like the, the import drags or something like oh, that back in the late nineties. I'm not sure, but I remember just racing him one time at an event. He was driving this black Civic and I was, I just got my BMW E36 and it was bone stock. It was automatic. And he just blew the doors. I, I mean, I felt like my car didn't even left the you know the 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 starting line and right. he was just already in the finish line by the time I, I you know the green light hits his car was so fast and 
I'm just like that guy is just super cool. <laughs> he knows <laughs> this is not for me. I'm not Show me your ways. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. Um, guys that are in the industry back then, who I competed with, who I, you know, are were friends with, are now like business owners, uh, race team owners, and you know, marketing managers and stuff. So. Like I, I know these guys like back in the days and then now it's kind of good to know them because you get the connections a little bit, you know, so your name is easier to go around when you, people already kind of knew you from back in the days, you know, so that kind of helped too. Yeah. So for our listeners and the creators out there who are going to be listening to this, networking organically, like not, not forced networking, networking relationships and keeping your head about you and not being too full of yourself. Sounds like that's a real important thing. Can't go wrong with that for sure. Networking and relationships is, is such a key. Um, you can be the most talented artist and creator out there, but if you cannot sustain a, a solid relationship, and 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 um, properly communicate. I guess you can only go as far. And and relationship again is just that's what keeps your client happy and coming back for more. Hundred percent. So you have. Well, let's talk about some of the cars before we switch gears here. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of your biggest collabs publicly? Not necessarily your favorite, but just biggest in your opinion. And then, what are a few of your favorites? If you're allowed to say that without pissing other people off. Sure. This is always tough for me to to pick because I put like my heart and soul into each project, whether it's a known builder or it's someone that's just coming up and nobody knows. It doesn't matter to me because to me, my own competition is myself. Like, can I, Mm. if I release this image and submit this to the client, can I do something better than what I just submitted? So then because of that, much effort that I try to put in, it be, almost becomes part of me, right? Like almost like my baby. So then how do you now pick one baby that you put out there <laughs> to the other babies right, that right. you also submitted to the, your other clients? I love them all, right? Almost equally. Like I, I find ways like, gosh, this piece helped me improve in, in this part of my, you know, skill. And then, or, or, or this project help me understand how to work with this software. It's always different. So, and a lot of that too um, comes with like who you're working with. Sometimes they could be the most intimidating person, but then at the end of the project, you're like, holy cow, I grew so much because it's like things that I would never probably have taken because either I'm too intimidated by this project, but, you know, by just biting the bullet and, and going for it. Most intimidating uh, project. Most intimidating project. Oof. Almost everything is intimidating because this is my, my attitude, right? I like to challenge myself. So there, it, there's projects where I've, I don't have any experience with it. And it, it's always scary when you're jumping in to some things and saying yes to without really having an experience doing it. You understand your reputation probably put you there, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you an example. This is even before I got into the automotive industry, like like in the comic book industry that I was in uh, pretty heavily and how I started, um, I got hired from a comic book signing 
And I'm just there look, you know, trying to see if I can get some kind of critique on my portfolio or my, not really a portfolio because it's just really just a bunch of sketches. Sketches, right. Right. And um, Rob Liefeld, uh, he's one of the founders of Image Comics, creator of Deadpool. He saw my work and at the time he was just really starting and building their studio up in Anaheim and they needed artists. So he saw my work and then, like I said, I just wanted to get some feedback to see what I can improve on and what's good and what's bad. And he just says, do you want a, a job? Do you want to be an inker? I had no idea what an inker is or was at the time. And it was just like, an inker? Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've never picked up this uh, crow quill or, any, or, or anything like that. It was a special pen that uh, inkers use. Never in my life had had used that, but I said yes, just because, and this is an opportunity, you know, you can't shy away from it. If you got to learn, if you got to bend over backwards to make sure that you grasp how to do this stuff, you know, then do it. That's just my attitude. So then like almost every project I take on from then on really is so intimidating to me because I'm like, crap, how do I do this? You know? And you, you do your research, you put time into, you know, learning. And then it always, for some reason, work, works out, you know. So through that question, we kind of tripped over on the other side of this, of this coin. Mm-hmm. Looking up information on you, there's a lot of John Siebel stuff. And there's just a little bit of stuff that touches on comics. And I mm. saw the name and I go, hmm, what's this? Mm-hmm. So I clicked on Jonathan Siebel. <laughs> Jonathan Sibal is my <laughs> alter ego. No, that is <laughs> was was that an is that an intentional way of you maybe no. separating your fan bases? Actually, it's it's the way that came about is very interesting. I my full name obviously is Jonathan. My Filipino um, like my, what my mom calls me is Atan, which is a very strange way. They could have called me John, but they called me instead Athan, which is like the second part of Jonathan, right? And then, oh, okay, yeah, Nothing. and the, but but then the 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 weird part is like when I was getting credited for all my comic book work, instead of putting Jonathan Sabal, it's too long, so they shorten it to John, like J O N S I A L, right? So it's like now it's shorter, more concise, and I'm like, okay. I'm cool with that. I don't care, really. So I just kind of like rolled with it. And now I'm just John Sabal. You know, I'm so a lot of my earlier comic book work was, you know, had a credit of Jonathan Sabal. And some of my editors still know me as Jonathan Sabal. But at the same time, I think because also social media and how things are now, um, Back then when we were doing comic books, there's really no social media. So, you know, even though I switched over to John Sabal, that wasn't getting published or, or, or spread around as much as like what my automotive work is, has been shared now. So could be a combination of both, but I'm hating yeah. you right now. No, <laughs> I'm hating you right now because you let me call you John Siebel and it's John Sabal. All squished together like like the package is in my garage right now. It, it works, bro. It, 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 there's there's no right or wrong uh, way to say it. Uh huh. Well, I go nuts if people call me Jahey, and by me by me saying that, people are gonna start doing that shit too. I should call you Jahey. Just you can because. do that. That'll be our joke. No one will know. No one will listen to this podcast. It'll be our thing. Nobody will listen to this podcast. So okay. 
<laughs> so you, I mean, so we're, we're, we'll, we can talk comics a little bit now because you've had some amazing success in both avenues. And I, I try to tinker in that a little bit in my attempt to kind of cross pollinate cars with anime in a less focused mm. Itasha mm-hmm. kind of way because, yeah, or less forced Itasha kind of way where I still mm-hmm. wanted the, the people to like the car and my design for what that was and the anime people who knew what it was to appreciate it. And then the people who didn't know what it was at all to still appreciate it. But you, you've had that success on both ends. I mean, is there anybody out there doing that or has done that with that kind of resume that you know of, that you know of, because it could be out there. Right. No, I'm sure there's people out there. Like I can't be the first and only one that has done that, but you know, even with my own interest, I'm not as, well versed, I don't think as you are with anime. I only know a very few oh, I don't, parts don't, of it. I don't know. You know I, mean? <laughs> I don't know. A lot. <laughs> but um, but there's got to be other people that out there that um, are a lot more talented, a lot more you know familiar with um, anime stuff, and at the same time kicking so much butt with car design stuff. And anytime I find those people, I'm like, hey, what's up? We can be friends. <laughs> well, see, that's that shit. That's that shit right there that I'm talking about, that humility. There's a, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are a lot more talented. Stop. Stop that's with that. That's true, though. It's yeah, true. It, it's it could be, but that's that's what that's what people need to know about you is how you are and how you approach the world and, and your mindset. I mean, that's why you continue to have the success you have is because of that, that mindset. You know, mm-hmm. you can be... There's, you could be on top of the mountain, but guess what? The world's full of mountains, right? Yeah. So, exactly. are there, as far as your as as far as your peers, your peer, who would you consider your peers? I mean, don't say everybody, you know, mm-hmm. because like we all kind of measure ourselves around other people in the same interests, and that's going back to what you're saying earlier. It's, it's added motivation. It's added inspiration. Like, wow, I really liked how John Sabal. <laughs> I really like how John Sabal. <laughs> Design that. <laughs> <laughs> Design the corner of that monitor. Uh-huh. I never thought about that. You know, I'm going to take that. And wow, that's that's really cool. And then the other person on on the other side, like like you could be saying, "Dang, hey, that was really cool." Like but you're not <laughs> looking at you're not looking at the other people because you already know for the most right. part, like you're on a certain certain playing field, I guess. Like who are some of your peers in in the auto design? I mean, it's like. Like the Kaizen and them boys, you know, who are your peers? Again, that's just the same question as like you're asking me, like, what's my favorite <laughs> project or what's the most intimidating? Because like, I even remember when you and I met up at AutoCon and checking out your NSX with all this little cool details that you put into the, the seats, even like around the seat um, base and everything with all the details and stuff. That to me, I, I try to take a mental picture of that and then I'm like ooh that's a good one so it's just like taking notes from like each person that I meet or encounter and 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 like putting that into like a folder <laughs> of inspiration so not not one person will give me everything that I want or need but I feel that a lot of people can really offer a lot of cool little nuggets that when you put it all together can amount to some awesome treasure. You, you just know, made like my said, 2020. No, bro. I'm, you know, you, after you, this call, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm not going to wake up till January no. <laughs> 1st. But you know, it's true. That's the same reason why your car, uh, your NSX ma- made some waves because 
of stuff like that. Even the livery was a little bit different than the typical livery, right? You got that whole, um, you know, Macross um, inspired, you know, print. And it's not just even a, a, you know, a clean print. It was more of a distressed uh, weather type of look to it. Nice texturing and everything. So stuff like that, you know, you pay attention to details. And, and then you meet another person and then they were able to be so creative with just some small part. I'm like, oof, that's pretty cool. Got to remember that. Mental note again, number two, you know. Let me so. ask you this, because between, and we're going to go back and forth from cars and comics, just conceptually from the outside looking in, those things, the skill involved, other than hand-eye coordination and passion, couldn't be any more different. So in one sense, you're an inker which mm-hmm. I did some research on that because I was curious myself, like what the fuck is an inker and what do uh, they do? Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you're an inker, then you're good with the sketch. Repetition, first off, for people listening, mm-hmm. you don't roll out of bed. Like I used to do sports art. You don't roll out of bed and know how to draw Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. Obviously, I'm from the 90s. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to practice mm-hmm. over and over. You don't roll out of bed and draw Iron Man perfectly. You have to be so familiar with all the lines on these comic book characters that it becomes second nature and then you can kind of perfect and hone your work. So mm-hmm. looking back at some of your older stuff, is it is it harder to differentiate the work you've done in 2018 versus 2020? Or maybe if you look at 2010, you can be like, hmm, there's, there's some stuff there that, that just sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I loved it for what it was, mm-hmm. but you've made a design correction that only you might notice and only the top people in your industry would notice, but someone like me would never know, in a million year notice. Like, do you, do you see that in some of your old designs? Every time, every piece. I, there was, I'm never 100% satisfied with any design when I look back at it. You know, and this is true for any artist. You know, we're like our own worst critique, right? So yeah. to where it's just like, you look at it, it's like, oh, I could have, you know, tweaked that a little bit. Oh, that could, you know, that looked kind of off. So all the stuff that, you know, you could always adjust and improve, you're really the only one that sees that stuff. When you show it to other people, hardly really anyone will pick up on that. I do have friends that can, but majority of the time, they don't know what they're looking at or they will not even notice that little flaw. And But for you, it stands out so much like as if there's no other area of the design except for that little piece that you know, you did that maybe the angle or the shoulder of the fenders wasn't properly adjusted or, or contoured and it's not the radius is not you know large enough or, or it's too sharp you know stuff like that but you know only you because you spend so much time trying to fine-tune it it's really only you that spots all those little things but Every time I look back, I'm like, crap, I suck. <laughs> yeah, you're terrible, dude. Hey, if you want lessons, <laughs> I, I got your back. I think it's because people, they fall victim to this. And it's not their fault, but they, they, they look at the final composition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? They don't focus in on the one little thing. And as you're the designer artist, you know that flaw because you built it from yeah. the ground up. And they no, just see sure. the, the entire thing like, wow, that isn't. That is an awesome drawing. It looks so real and like, eh, I mean, eh, I mean, not really. Oh, for sure. My buddy, uh, Justin Bryan, he, you know, he's the founder of JDM Ego. Me and him, we spend a lot of time on the phone together and he hates his stuff. And I'm like, dude, man, I look at his stuff and I'm like, this is pretty dang 
good. And then you look back at his past work from years and years and to where he is at now. I'm like, look at your progress, dude. You know, but he he's the type of person that like after he's done with this design and, and project, he looks back and he hates it. You know, I, I'm not that extreme, right, but I right. completely understand what he, you know, what he feels and what he sees. And, but just like you and I, whenever we look at somebody else's work, we don't see any of that stuff. We just see the whole entire presentation, the whole image. But the artist who made it uh, or created that image, they know every single inch of that, you know, car. And um, so they know, you know, themselves what they could have done better or but it's, I think it's just the nature of being an artist, you know, we're always very critical of our own work. So you said you used to do, but you still do this. So with, with Marvel and, and DC, right? Mm-hmm. So under DC comics forward slash talent, and you say have the same page on Marvel talent, mm-hmm. looks like you're credited with at least 88 titles as an inker, comma artist, mm-hmm. at least from DC. How many do you think how many projects have you been associated with Marvel? <laughs> I would like I would past? like to know that myself. I don't never really um, like counted each project um, I was involved in. Um, you know, I started inking comics uh, I think back in '92, and still doing that now. I'm not as active. I'm all, I only have one book. We're working on Batman uh, Earth One. Um, graphic volume novel, three, volume June two thousand twenty-one. Yeah. I told you, I looked, I looked, I researched, <sighs> and 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 that's the only book that I'm working on now, and I'm even lagging on that. Um, but back then, you know, I wasn't doing any automotive stuff, so my every, everything, you know, waking up and going to sleep in between is just all comic books. There's nothing in between. Um, but we put out gang load of titles. And then even after Image Comics went to Marvel, started working on X-Men, Avengers, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and then went to DC Comics and started working on Batman and Superman and all those other titles. I'm like, whatever work comes around, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know? And I was fortunate enough to team up with very talented um, artists to like, let me tag along to wherever they go. So if they went from Marvel to DC, they'll take me with them. Part of their team. Marvel. Yeah, exactly. So part of the style and, and, and look that they want because they want, don't want to experiment with other inkers. They already have a solid team with them. So we just go wherever. And yeah, it's just a blessing that way. And for the listeners, how would you, exp- <laughs> how would you explain what an inker is and what an inker does? Good question. Okay. So this is, I had to learn this right when I, first just got hired because like I said, I had no idea what an inker does. So when I think of comic books, there's either just a writer or a, an artist, which is a penciler. Right. But really there's multiple um, talent involved in the production of a comic book. So it starts, all starts with the writer. Usually the writer and the, the penciler, they collaborate about like the storyline, the plot. So the writer will then have a script, a full script of what the story is about. Uh, break it down for 22 pages, maybe even per panel in one page, how many panels, three or four panels, basically trying to tell the story. So he'll give that script to the penciler. The penciler will then decide if if the writer uh, didn't dictate how many uh, scripts or how to tell the story per page, 
the pencil will then break it down per page, draw everything in pencil. After that process, they'll hand it over to us as an inker to then redraw everything but using an ink pen, inker. That's an inker, right? right. Now, the, some pencilers, they draw super tight, meaning every little details are already there. So you're technically, you're just tracing. Don't say the word. Don't say line. the T word. Yeah. <laughs> Todd McFarlane is on record as <laughs> saying he hates it. but Right. But, but there are some that are a little more loose. So you, an inker will almost finish the drawing. Um, but again, with ink as a final piece. Regardless whether the penciler is a loose or a tight penciler, then um, the ink, what the inker's responsibility is to give distinction be- between the foreground, the middle ground, and the background. And you can do that by varying your line weights. So, for example, if, uh, if Superman is standing right in the middle of the shot, you have him in the middle shot, but the foreground is like a tree. So you make the tree limbs or the leaves a little bit heavier lines and then the, the Superman becomes somewhat a medium uh, thickness line. And then the background, like there's like a building in the background, those are all super thin lines, just like in a photograph. So it gives some kind of distinction. You add more details to it. You, add, you basically enhance what the penciler has done without taking away from his own style. And, and then, you know... Um, you amplify uh, some of those uh, distinctions in, in depth. And, um, and after that, you know, we scan the pages, we give it to the return. Basically, when you scan it, it becomes digital. We send a digital file to the colorist. The colorist will then, I think they still use Photoshop to color the, the pages. They used to just use um, back in the days, uh, I was never part of it, but uh, I've seen guys where they have markers and stuff. Create like guides. Christmas markers and stuff is what yeah. I've seen. Yeah, uh, create guides for the colorist to, to to use. But now I think some of the colors are just going straight at it and doing it themselves digitally, and it's a really cool process. It adds another level. So when it leaves our hands, it's still black and white. The original pages still remains black and white. The digital. Uh, files are now colored. And then that's where all the word balloons gets added in. The editor comes in and, you know, make sure, proofreads everything, make, you know, any adjustments. The pencilers are always involved in this process, making sure that every part of the detail, you know, is is, is addressed and never missed. So I, it's a lot I of think, work. Yeah, I think on that process, I could handle the the word balloons. Like I'll, I'll get a job doing the word balloons. <laughs> I don't know, man. That part, I don't. I probably wouldn't even try attempt that because I've seen the guys do hand lettering, like they actually hand uh, write the, the the word balloons. Holy cow, dude! They're like almost like a machine. You gotta now be you, consistent with that shit. Exactly, but now you know you have different fonts and text that you can use to type in like a comic book style font, right? But some of those guys who who hand writes this stuff, I'm like, jeez. And then they, you know, they know how to do the word balloon properly with the right size and scale. And it's an art form of itself where you don't want to cover up too much of the art in a certain uh, small space of a panel. So you got to decide that. And then they also know how your eye moves from left to right, from top to bottom. So when you, they 
put word balloons. It's a pretty thought out way to where the next balloon will flow with the next one so that you don't skip a, a dialogue just because right. of the wrong placement of the word balloon. So never mind. I'd, I'd be, I'd either have to quit <laughs> or be fired two balloons in. <laughs> An inker might be better. All right. Let me <laughs> go back to anchor. <laughs> no, I think you explained the inker thing perfectly because how I imagine it is the pencilist. Are we calling him pencilist? Penciler. Penciler. The pencilist. Sounds like a movie like the, the pencilist. Yeah. <laughs> so the penciler, I mean, it's just, it's a flat 2D sort of loose, lighter sketch. And then you basically bring it to life with dimensional value. That's one of the things I, I was like, yeah, just like you were saying with the tree, the Superman in the background, it's like, there's mm -hmm. a, there's a, everything can't be the same line weight or else it just looks like this funny looking thing. I have some fun questions for you before mm -hmm. we get to our eventual Q and A question. I'm not going to ask you what is your favorite comic book house, and and, 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 <laughs> I, and I know a lot. <laughs> I got you, and I know a lot of people go back and forth as far as working. You know, you you can work on DC for five years and go and work for for Marvel, and then go work at Image, and then Dark Horse. I don't even know Dark Horse is still around, but for the movies, since I don't know if you were have some sort of involvement or if it's part of NDA, but MCU or DCU? Oof. You can't ask me that question, dude. I just <laughs> did. Because, hey, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll make it easy on you. As far as action heroes go, I think Batman is my favorite overall. Agreed. Although, although I'm a big fan of, of Iron Man from the comics when I was a kid. You know, in the DCU kind of, uh, I like some of the actors in there, but they just have a ways to go. So, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Batman on print and on screen as just this hero he's if you think about it like especially i think his he was highlighted on that you know batman versus superman where this guy doesn't really have any kind of superpowers compared to like superman or other superheroes you know but something about him like the way he looks the way his gadgets his cars <laughs> did you like that movie um my favorite batman movie or, or version of batman is anything chris Nolan. Um, uh, Batman, the Dark Knight. Yeah. Those to me. The Christian Bale, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, just because of the story. Like, I love how they portray the Joker and it's just everything about, like, the character and the movie and the, and the storyline behind it. I think it's just so, so solid. Did you like uh, Ben Affleck as Batman? He's good. And better than um, others. But, um, was that a, was that a um, was that a safe response? Like, are you in trouble, know. or was that your, was that really you? No, no, no. I, I'm just being honest. I think it's hard to think of anything else that compares to a Christopher Nolan's type of Batman. Yeah. It's just not not because of Christian Bale either. It's uh, it just goes back to the like how the the whole vibe and feel of those movies, Dark Knight, with uh, the Joker and everybody. And it's just I don't know of of any you know, uh, versions of Batman that can come close. I just love them. I'm going to agree with you on that because, well, I don't, I don't consider that part of the DCU technically, although it's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the DC universe, but not as we know as the MCU. Mm -hmm. I love that trilogy. And I liked Ben Affleck as Batman. I like seeing an older pissed off at the world, no longer interested in just arresting people, Batman. And I think, I think he got that, that movie. And I think he got a kind of a rough deal there, but, uh, I guess he left on his on his own terms. Mm. See, I don't even know. I I, I don't keep up 
Um, I, th- I think and, he thought and, the script just sucked for the next movie. And he said, I don't want to be associated with this or something like that. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened. But yeah, I mean, the whole Dark Knight trilogy just got me just because, you know, from starting to the end, I'm just like so in tune with it. And yes, it is on the darker side. And I know <laughs> MCU makes fun of that. <laughs> Why DC got to be so dark, you know, but I love it. You know, I don't yeah, mind. I it. love it. Yeah. And one more very important question for you before we get to the to fan Q&A. So you still got some time for me? Go for it. You're the man. So this is important. Knowing everything we've learned, and I hope this has been very, uh, very quality conversation for fans of yours, is you've been in the car world for a long time. You have a past and a present and probably a future dealing with comics. Mm-hmm. Essentially... You are in two incredibly big spots. You are incredibly humble, incredibly grounded. You don't have a verified social media account. I don't. Well, not in Instagram. I think on, on Facebook I do, but not on Instagram. Yeah, and you could easily be verified. I have a feeling that that's not very important to you. Uh, it would be or nice. is it? <laughs> it would be nice, but I don't lose sleep over it. Let's put it that way. It's not like a goal <laughs> that I put myself into to be verified, but I would be honored to be verified. Obviously it'd be awesome, but it's, um, I have too many other goals right now. It's just getting projects done is the, <laughs> the goal Right. <laughs> more than being verified. I think ver- being verified is a benefit of hard work and, and, you know, good work that you put out there. Um, but it should never be a goal. There's some verified trash out there. I think with some people, it's a good clout thing, but uh-huh. to get verified means you it opens up so many doors. It and does, maybe I'm that's sure. why for you, yeah. it, it would be nice, but man, you're look what we just talked about. I mean, you've done and you continue to do and you will continue to do things that people dream of having the opportunity to do through their hard work. So Right, right. You know, I, no, I like think, I said, it's it's yeah. all uh, all this accolades and being verified and whatever awards, right? They're of great value because then that leads to more doors being open and more opportunities. Um, but that should only be looked at as a benefit of your own hard work and making sure that you put uh, out um, the best work that you can do for your clients, for yourself. And then all those little things can come along with it, you know? So that's why whether you're verified or not, whether you win awards or not, whether you win competitions or not, it doesn't matter anymore because you're, like I said, you're, I'm my own competition. Um, uh, worst competition is, is I'm competing with myself trying to outdo my last design. You know what I mean? What's next? What's, what's out there if, What's what's a dream opportunity if someone were to knock on the door and be like, John, we know who you are. We want you for, for this project. Like what's some mm. sort of fantasy next level thing? Like what's left for you? Because it has to be something other than pushing yourself to be better every time. There has to be like, man, that would that would be nice type of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have friends in the movie industry that are. I'm just so blown away what they're doing. Uh, one one guy, for example, is um, Andy Park. Um, me, me and him, we started in comic books. Uh, I used to ink him on like Tomb Raider and all the all these other titles. I I think the last book I worked with him on, on was X Men, 
And now he is um, working for Marvel Entertainment. He's like the main guy behind movies like Ant-Man, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Movie, by the way. Yeah, uh, Thor. And, and I look at his stuff and I'm like, dang, is this the same guy that I used to work with? He's a really good friend of mine. He's actually like the best man in my wedding. We're that tight. And I still look at him. I'm like, who is this guy? He like leveled up so fast and so much. And I think it's really because of the environment that he's in. There's a lot of talented people in that industry. So you cannot just be the same guy. You gotta keep on improving and stuff. So whatever future holds for me, I just want to make sure that I can keep up, you know, so I don't, there's no one specific project I want to be involved in. There's just a lot, like even animations, even 3D printing, um, you know, it, this whole 3D modeling was never a goal, but it just, because I, I got so tired of like doing 2D Photoshop stuff that I'm like, I got to get to the next level, which is, I felt like 3D modeling was, was that level. And even then I was combining both. You know, so whatever the next big thing is, I just want to make sure that I can keep up. <laughs> Andy Park, where are you at? I Andy think Park, man. Maybe you Andy get to a certain crazy. level where all you can do is just keep maintaining and staying on top of your game, like next man up, because you never know, right? It's mm. like somebody has to come from from above and maybe pull you up with them. Like there's 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 got there's a ceiling, I think, in everything we do. And maybe you're just hanging around the ceiling. You yeah. know, just, you know, and, and just doing your thing. Ready for some Q&A? Go for it. Awesome. Okay, well, it's time for the Q&A segment sponsored by NSX Channel on Instagram, your number one source of NSX content, NSX Channel on Instagram. Okay, so Jay Necky asks you, how have you seen the digital artistry format evolve in recent years? It's It's been moving pretty fast and progressing really quick in, in my eyes because to me, I've always wished for this time of type of thing to happen because in the beginning, like I said, there's really hardly that many people and people are doing it are just doing it either for casual, you know, hobby type of thing. But a lot of uh, designs right now are popping up, you know, th again, thanks to social media, you know, we, we're exposed to all this stuff, but it's been pretty good. Um, I, I love how it's progressing Again, because not just because of the uh, people behind it, but at the same time, the softwares that are available are getting more more powerful, I think. And, you know, the artists can get really creative with it and using it. So progressing very, very nicely. It's a good answer. Here's a, here's a fun one. So Possum Killer MK6 asks, what's the best and worst Halloween candy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I never had that candy where it's so bad that I want to spit it out. But uh, did you do trick or treating? Go around and and get all that because some people don't do it, you know. But yeah, but it's been too long. It's underrated. <laughs> I'll, I'll let me help um, you out here. Candy corn sucks. Candy corn sucks. Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, candy corn. <laughs> All right, so Venom2049 asks, if you could make any of your... Okay, this is, a, this is a question you probably get a lot, okay? And I already know the answer, but you have to pick one for Venom, okay? 
Venom2049 asks, if you could make any of your 3D renderings real, which one would you pick? Do I have to pick one? Yeah, it says any. Oh, it says any. So instead of, oh, yeah, which one would Every you pick? Every single one, dude. <laughs> Every single one. I love them all. It's so hard to pick. I'm like scrolling right now on my page and like, gosh, how do I pick? That's fair. Yeah. But- yeah, no, they're solid. I love them. Some and that's of them what I mean. already Based, exist, so. Yeah, there you go. I can get people listen to that. Some of them already exist. Yeah. The dream. So Brian Barfield asked, oh, God, this is a duplicative question, man. Brian, all of them, they're all his favorite projects. Right. They're all, at, at, the, at that time, at that moment in time, they're all his favorite projects. So Catherine Cox Thank you, Catherine, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. But it's obvious you love what you do. It's conceptual. The, the, the whole thought through the sketch, through the renderings, through the final product. Is there a favorite phase of a production that you enjoy the most? Oh, good question. I love the part of brainstorming. Like the initial part of just talking to a client and and coming up with ideas like for this reason uh, recent uh, project we just unveiled the 190e i sat down with chris and Di. Uh, we did a lot of zoom calls um in between but deciding on like which delivery to use um you know looking at like reference photos i love that part because they have their own ideas i have my own ideas and then we put them in a pot and mix them up and then see which one comes up um because I, I feel like I learned a lot from the different people that I work with. So, and I take that with me to the next project and the following project after that. Um, so I think conceptualizing, brainstorming always gets me excited because it feels like, oh, so fresh and so new, you know. And then once you have a solid direction and vision, then you move forward to execution on a 3D model. But yeah. It's always it's got, yeah that yeah the brainstorming yeah I get it that was a good question Catherine's good at those so Jamie Goodman asks and um, I was bagging on this vehicle so this is why I probably asked this question what are your thoughts on the El Camino El Camino I love them they're good are they yeah man I mean design wise obviously it's not for everyone but car and a truck <laughs> combined <laughs> both. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> there you go, Jamie. There you go, Mr. Red. Red's Rambling Podcast has been vindicated by the great John Sabal. They're ugly. All right, so Chris Nestor. <laughs> Chris Nestor asked, what's your opinion? This is kind of fun, too. What's your opinion on the monoliths appearing and disappearing? Is it just a silly prank? Is it a group? Like, what do you think is going on with that? I saw screws or rivets in it dude so i thought it's the one they found in, in utah right yeah i thought and i that saw was that a, too i really wanted to believe though <laughs> until i saw the dang rivets around the, the edges i'm like you know aliens won't be using rivets no 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 that should, no. should it should have been like smooth solid dude solid triangular like a polished ingot looking <laughs> And to me, it's it's easy, right? So they had the one in Utah, then they had the one somewhere in Europe or somewhere. Right. The next time this thing pops up, you just go out there, you set up a freaking camera, right? We have the technology for that, and you just yeah. leave. Don't even announce it. Just leave. Right. Wait and for then, someone to find it, and then wait for somebody to, to move it. it. Yeah. Busted. 
Yeah, no, it was a fun concept. And, you know, whoever thought of it, I'm sure they're laughing the butt off just because it's like, it worked, you know, it, it got people's attention and now it's still in the news. Yeah, I can't believe we're still talking about it. So, well, I mean, everything's game in 2020, right? All right, 2020, dude. Has you, have you, how's this year been been for you? It sounds like, I mean, was some people it's destroyed their lives. Some people, fortunately, they've just been able to stay busy. In some cases, even more busy. Like, how's this worked out for you for, for what you do? Right. A lot of customer impact. In the no? beginning, um, in the beginning, it was very scary. Everything stopped. Like, no work was coming in. No people calling. Nothing. It was just like, oh, what do we do? Um, so for a few months, it was kind of like that. So you're almost like thinking, huh, what can we cut down <laughs> on our you know, right. lifestyle so that uh, we can pay the bills, we can pay the rent, pay the whatever, right? Um, but then we're kind of start to slowly trickle in, I think just because everybody's adjusting to working from home, nobody can shoot and, and do cars like, you know, openly and, you know, freely. So they want more digital content and stuff. And then that's when, you know, work starts coming back again. And to the point now to where I feel like, I'm not sure if it's true, but I feel like it's probably busier now than ever, you know, at least for me, uh, workload wise. But, um, but yeah, but I'm always kind of still suspicious because 2020, <laughs> you know. Right. John, you've been great. I really appreciate you coming on the Hard Parking Podcast. If people want to reach out to you, you're not hard to find. J-O-N-S-I-B-A-L. Just type it anywhere and it'll bring up one of your 500,000 designs. Thank you, man. Thanks for letting me be part of this. I'm honored and I'm glad that uh, we got to do finally do this. We've been talking about this for forever. So That's my bad. Hey, one final question for you. Yeah. Where's my cyber truck? Where's my little Meguiar's <laughs> thingy? This year got blown up. No, your, uh, your cyber truck is here. But what's even funnier is your the NSX pin that you gave me. They're all in the same stash and I cannot find it. But I kept it in a safe place. <laughs> I kept it in a safe place to where I'm like, okay, nobody's going to throw this away. Nobody's going to touch it. Nobody's going to steal it. Have but you I, seen what those things are going for? I did, dude. It's nuts. People need Being to understand customs, something. Yeah, crazy. exactly. It's it's not because it's my fucking car. It's because there's just not a lot of them out there. No, I, I'm sure it's part of it, but it's it's just amazing how much this thing go for. Even those those Maguire trucks that um, the pins that we did the a recent giveaway. I had to check online on eBay just to see how much you're going for. The last item that was sold was. Went for two hundred bucks for those the pins. Truck? I'm like, yeah, the Maguire's like, truck, the Maguire's rig. Yeah, I'm like, huh? Oh my gosh, two hundred bucks, dude. It's crazy. It's just crazy. you and I talking. If you sold it for a wagyu steak early in the year, I get it. <laughs> I don't, unfortunately, I don't have any more, but I get it. <laughs> no, no, no. I promise you, I have your NSX stash in a safe place. Where that safe place is, I have yet to, to find and remember. Because I know if I find that uh, your NSX, then I'll find the, the Cybertruck. And the world will be happy. And the world will be happy. 
want to thank John Sabal for coming on the show. One word I think of when I think of John after having that conversation is authentic. John Sabal is authentic. And for all the creators, all the new listeners who tuned in specifically just to hear him, there's a lot of talent in the world. You have to stay authentic to yourself and you have to be authentic with people. Because if you're not authentic, then what are you? That interview, that interview with John, it was amazing. Perspective. This guy has mad respect to him for keeping it real. Real with himself, real with the people, real with me. Damn, that was good. Please like the show. Please subscribe to this show. Give a review, even if you're just reviewing that specific episode. Apple is the best place to leave a review. I have one more show left in 2020. After that, I think I'm going to do a best of series because there's a bunch of shows. There's a lot of good episodes in 2020 on this podcast. I urge you to go back and listen. Or maybe I'll just do a best of. I'll do abbreviated shows. Can't wait for 2021. Christmas is coming up. A lot more events coming up. I'm going to be at the Wright Honda Toy Drive, Team Evolve Toy Drive, another local guy. Chris Marini has a toy drive. This weekend coming up, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three toy drives. Get out there. If you're listening to this, contribute to a toy drive. Pick up a present. Your local bank. Banks always have some sort of a toy drive going on. Search on Facebook. Toy drive. Just search for toy drive. Go buy. You don't have to be in the car community. Go work a soup kitchen. Go feed the hungry. Do something. Make yourself better. Make someone else's life better. Get out there and do something. We also need to thank Wright Honda out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Higher quality detail. Kuya Automotive, NSX Channel, Booster Bath, and Four Wheel Online. Hang on when I'm done here to learn about Four Wheel Online and Booster Bath. If you'd like to support the show beyond just subscribing to it, Patreon, Harp Rocking Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I could use more followers. All sorts of ancillary content. It's not just a podcast on YouTube. It's a bunch of other things that I produce, not only for this podcast specifically, but to the community. So go ahead and check that out. Follow the YouTube page, Hard Parking Podcast, or Hard Parking Media. You can find me both ways, to be honest with you. You can follow me on Instagram at NA2NSX or JTravels, J-H-A-E underscore travels. Follow me on Twitter as just JFinning. I've recently changed my name from Hard Parking Pod to JFinning. Facebook page, Hard Parking Podcast. I'm everywhere. I'm not hard to find. If you have any comments, shoot me an email, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. I can't grow unless you tell people about this show. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. As a lot of you guys know, my daily driver is a 2007 Infiniti FX35 Sport. It's about time I put some money into it. Can't just drive the NSX around all the time looking nice. Want to get some wheels? For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They're dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need for a custom look and added functionality. I was talking about a wheel and tire package. Head over and use a configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so go get outfitted today. Visit them at Four Wheel Online. That's Four Wheel Singular Online. Are you tired of blowing out your back at the bathtub while washing your dog or subjecting your canine to a water torture bath while leashed up to a post outside? 
Now there's a far more effective way to wash your pet while saving your back and keeping your dog happy. It's called Booster Bath, a portable bathtub on legs. Head over to BoosterBath.com, one word, and pick one up. Available in three sizes, this tub system features a drain, a soap cubby, and water-controlling wand. This tub conveniently breaks down to be stored when not in use. Want to save 10% on your first-time purchase? Head over and sign up today to make that happen. BoosterBath.com Shut up!